something that's a word that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than your song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within.
Maybe you want to worship him for some aspect of who he is. You want to worship him for his greatness, his vast power, his might, the fact that he's always been, he always will be, maybe his faithfulness. But let's take some time and just worship him this morning. Would you do that from your seat, wherever you are? Just worship the Lord. Just give him honor today. Give him praise today. He deserves it. Lord, we do. We recognize you today. Lord, you are amazing in every way. You're mighty beyond comprehension and a bit and our, our ability to understand. Lord, you're vast beyond our imagination. Lord, there's nothing about you that is uh, wrong or crooked or evil, God. You are good in every way. Lord, we recognize you today. We worship you today. We worship you today. Lord, we just we, we even read your word, Psalm 103, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That is who you are. And we worship you today, Lord. We do. We worship you. Lord, let this be a place today where the name of Jesus is honored and worshiped and praised. Lord, thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work among us right now. And in these moments to come, we, we trust you, we lean on you, we depend on you today. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Hey, it's so good to see you. Some of you still, maybe it's that tryptophan. It's still the lingering effects. Do you feel it? Maybe, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but I hope, I hope you had a great time with uh, family and friends. And if you didn't, for whatever reason, maybe, maybe Thanksgiving was just a bust for you. It was difficult or challenging. I'm praying that today will be a day that will turn it around for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, let's take a few minutes and greet each other. God bless you this morning. Good morning and welcome to Praise Assembly. I kind of want to do that Michael Buffer. Let's get no. Um, but welcome here. We're so glad to have you here today. Uh, if you are our guest today, if you could fill out one of these Connect cards, that would be so helpful. And what you do, just, just fill it out, complete it, whatever information you're comfortable sharing and leave it at our guest services desk out in the lobby. And they have a gift for you. It's a win-win. You help us win. You win because you get a gift. It's fabulous. So if you could do that, that would be uh, just a great help. Ushers, if you could prepare this morning. Uh, last week, we took our One Day to Feed the World offering. And if you were able to be a part of that, that's great. Um, if, if maybe you weren't here last week, the challenge is this, to give what you make in a day. If you would give it, to put it in the hands of Convoy of Hope, which put it in the hands of churches 
and missionaries around the world to bring the gospel and to bring some very uh, important felt needs met to people. Uh, and, and so that's the challenge. What, what are you making a day or another amount that you might have? But if you weren't able to give last week and you had either forgotten about it or maybe you're just hearing about it today and you'd like to do that, I'm sure one of the ushers, they can uh, provide you one of these in the back, in the, in the back credenza. There's some of these, more of these envelopes here. But uh, again, if, if you want to make that a part of this offering or just your normal giving, that's great. But let's pray and, uh, and as we continue to worship today. Lord, we honor your great name. You are worthy of everything because you own everything. And so today as we give, I pray that it would be uh, done with just grateful hearts. That Thanksgiving isn't just this past Thursday, but it would just be an attitude that we would take throughout our lives, wherever we go. And especially even this morning, Lord, let this offering come from thankful hearts. Lord, I pray your blessing on these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. We. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. Amen. Well, hey, you better put your seatbelt on. I got a lot of announcements today, so just be ready, be prepared, take notes, and uh, we have a video we're going to show at the end of the announcements, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll show that in just a moment. But hey, we have some things coming up. Um, one of the things, this coming Saturday uh, is the Joy Group Christmas Luncheon, and so that's just older youth. And uh, they're going to be meeting in the, uh, in the uh, uh, cafe this coming Saturday at, uh, I believe, at noon. And uh, so you don't want to miss that if you're part of the Joy Group, if maybe you haven't and you're, I don't even know what the age group is. They, they, there's no clarity on that. And that's fine. But I, I think it's 55. I think it's 55, even though I've been there before. Anyways, um, but so that's happening this Saturday. Then next Sunday, a week from today, is our annual Kids Christmas Program, directed by our own Heather Walters. She's directing that, and Lucy's a part of that, and they've got a team of people helping with that. That is next Sunday morning. It's called A Crazy, Busy, Peaceful, Holy Night. And so it's going to be a great Sunday. It always is. The kids never disappoint, correct? They never disappoint. And so that's coming up uh, very soon. We also have some, some things coming up. Um, for our Women of Praise, the Christmas uh, Craft and Connect Day is December 9th at 10 a.m. That's also a Saturday. So, uh, ladies, be a part of that. It's going to be a, it's always a good morning food fellowship, a craft to enjoy. If you have any questions or you need to RSVP, please see Adria. Her phone number's there. So if you want to text her, call her, get in touch with her, if you have a question, please contact her today. Also, Christmas Hope, we've been doing this for a bunch of years now, uh, at the Wilmington Head Start, Joy Coleman is, is heading up this ministry, this opportunity to give. Ages three to five are the, of the, are the kids that we're targeting as far as our, our gift giving. Hats, gloves, socks, a couple gifts, unwrapped so we can wrap them. Uh, and if you want to help to wrap, please see Joy as well. But they're due, everything is due by December 13th, December 13th, uh, which is a Wednesday night. So make sure you're aware of that. Make sure that you uh, get, go shopping this week. Get things ready. It's easier to get things ahead of time and not the last minute if you can at all help. That would be tremendous. Uh, so that's happening. Also, our annual Christmas dinner, adult dinner, and variety show. There's going to be a lot of variety, right, Pastor Brandon? We're, we're taking this year, we're just saying we can do this. That's our theme. We can do this. And we've got a great team of people from among you that are going to be a part of this variety show. It is going to be a blast. It is going to be so much fun. In order for you to enjoy it, though, you need to sign up in the lobby. So the sign-ups are out there. There's a clipboard with a pen and a ribbon and a pen attached. Please sign up for the Christmas banquet. It is a great night for adults. We have child care for the young ones. Um, and uh, we have that available. They have like chicken strips and like all kinds of amazing things and, and, and a great team of people that uh, take care of them that night. So please sign up. If you're bringing your kids with you, uh, please uh, tell us how many so we can prepare. Uh, so those are some things coming up. Again, we've got Christmas Hope. We've got Women of Praise event. We've got uh, next Sunday the Christmas musical. We've got our, our, our Christmas dinner on the 10th. And if you look at that calendar, there are a bunch of different things going on with our youth ministry. Please make sure you're aware of those uh, opportunities. 
And uh, the last announcement I have is actually we have a, a Christmas series, a message, Sunday morning series. Pastor Brandon is going to be speaking today uh, the last uh, message in the Jesus Said series. And so next week will be the kids' Christmas musical. And the 10th is when we begin our Christmas series called The Name. Let's check this out. series. I have the title Mighty God. And it's just exciting. You know, I, my, my daughter was telling me this week, there's a couple, there's all these uh, influencers, influencers, right? They're all over Instagram and who they influence, I don't know. Um, they named their daughter Mar Mar Malibu Barbie. Malibu Barbie. And I don't think there's going to be a sermon series on that one. But we think of the names of Jesus. It meant something. It meant something when he was referred to as eternal father, mighty God, wonderful counselor. So that is going to be a great series and, and uh, to take us right up until uh, Christmas Eve Sunday uh, and ultimately Christmas. So can you believe it's already here? I don't know if you're like me. We, we spent the last two days on our computers shopping. Anybody else? Because I'm not going to the mall. I made that mistake last week. Somehow I got tricked into going to the mall and Costco on a Saturday. I, I don't uh, recommend that, but it's here. It is here. And, uh, you know, as Pastor Han said, I am closing out the series, Jesus Said. Uh, I don't know if you've been waiting for this day or you're just thinking, how much longer can we go? I want to tell you, we have exclusively looked at Jesus' words just in the Gospels. We know that Jesus spoke in Revelation as well. Uh, he is quoted in many other uh, verses. Uh, but we have just looked at the words that Jesus spoke in the four Gospels. And I want to tell you from a Christian standpoint and as a believer today, I am so thankful that we have his words, his words on the page. If you've never, if you don't know what a red letter series Bible is, when you read those, those verses and it's red letters, those are Jesus's words. And we have that available to us today. Are you glad for that? I know I am this morning. Uh, but we have, e even as long as this is, you know, we've had other things in between. And, but you understand that we have barely probably begun to even exhaust the topic of things that Jesus said. Um, it, was, it was difficult. You know, everybody's trying, I think in the beginning we sent out emails like, hey, I'm going to do this one or I'm going to do this one. And then it was like, well, which one am I going to do now? Like, I, I, we just kept going and going. And I came across one uh, probably a month or so ago in Mark chapter 15. And I want to proceed that with Mark chapter 14. Um, and it just, it, it took me back. And, and I, I want to share that with you. I don't want to tell you the title just yet. Um, because we are going to look at something Jesus said in Mark 14 as well. But at this point, we, at this point in Mark's gospel... We have seen Jesus preparing his disciples 
for what is to come. That he is going to be uh, crucified. And they're not really comprehending it. I mean, he's telling them these things. And a matter of fact, in, in, in Mark's uh, Gospel, chapter 14, we see the, the infamous story. Mark is so full of the stories that we, we grew up on hearing uh, in the Word. But we hear of the story of a woman who took an alabaster jar and broke it open and anointed Jesus' head. And she was ridiculed, and why would she do that? That could have you know, fed a bunch of poor people and everything. And Jesus said, what she has done was anointed me for burial. And again, the disciples are hearing this and just thinking, no, Jesus, like, say it's not true, you know, going on and on. He tells them that one of them will betray him. And as we know, that's Judas. In Mark's uh, gospel, chapter 14, we see, you know, what we call the Last Supper, which they couldn't have possibly known at the time, that that was the last time they would sit with Jesus and he served them communion, and he told them that these, these would represent my broken body and my blood f shed for you. So Mark's, uh, Mark's gospel is just, we, we've been actually studying that on Wednesday nights as well. It's just full of all of the, uh, I think Mark chapter 6 is just full of all of the awesome uh, miracles that Jesus had done. And uh, so we have all of this to lean back on. And now, again, they've heard him talking and, and speaking about his death and, and his body and his blood. And, and we have to, we, we have the gift of hindsight on our behalf, don't we? We would sit there and think, we know, I know what Jesus was talking about. Well, of course you do, because we've learned it over and over. This was real time. They're learning and they're hearing these things, and they didn't know what was going to happen. They had no idea. He was giving them an idea, but they had no idea. I have a brother who, maybe you know this, but he's lived in Indonesia for the past 12 years, going on 13, and literally prior, prior to him moving in 2011, he felt a call on his life to go to missions. And he said, we, we would go on, I, I've only been on missions trips to South America. I, I went to Peru, I went to Honduras, uh, Guatemala, different places, all unbeknownst to me is at that time, my brother was going on these trips with me and he was asking the Lord, Lord, is this where? Is this where you're calling me? And he said he never felt uh, God say anything about any of the countries that he went to. He also went to Nicaragua, nothing. So he meets a girl who is Chinese by birth, raised in Indonesia, and she was here uh, for studying. I, I, I think I got my wife that way, he got his wife that way. They came to Delaware to study, and we married them. And, uh, and so he, he, was, he was dating another girl at the time, but he saw this girl, and, and I just, we worked together at the time. We were at a, a business of a guy in church. And, you know, his relationship he's in, he's not too happy, and we see that, but what can you say? And I said, I don't know if you've noticed that girl, Hira, and he said, oh, I've noticed her. And uh, I just said, you know, I, I'm not telling you what to do, anything. Well, he went full, full head. You know, he was counseled. You know, my father's got a lot of wisdom. You know, you're dating a girl in church. If you're going to break up with her, just leave a little bit now. Next Sunday, he was sitting next to the new girl, and the old family just left. They, didn't, they couldn't take that. 
He didn't heed the wisdom. All that to say, the first time he went to Indonesia to meet her parents, they were not married yet, but he wanted to go and, and possibly at that point ask for her hand in marriage. He said he got up one morning, went on the beach in Indonesia, and he said, God said, this is where I've called you. And he, he had an awesome experience out on the beach in the morning. And he came home and he told us, and I was thinking, Lord, I don't want to lose my brother. Yeah, how selfish of me, I know, but think about yourselves. You know, nobody wants their family moving away. You want everybody near if they can be. Maybe you've learned to enjoy that they're away. Um, but when my brother left, it was hard. But I'll say this. He spent probably the better part of 10 years ignoring what God had showed him on that beach that day. 10 years. And he said every time he went to a conference, every time he went to a worship service, any time in church that there was given an opportunity uh, to pray and for God's guidance on all of these things, he said God would say, what about Indonesia? And he said he kept pushing it aside. Therefore, I, every time it was brought up, thought this is going to blow over. Things will calm down. He'll get it out of his system. And he'll be just my brother. He, he played drums with me on the worship team. That was our thing. Until the house went up for sale. And then I thought, well, maybe there is something to this. And then the house sold. And ultimately, he went to Indonesia. Now, I think about this in terms of the disciples. We had been hearing about it. My brother's going. And yeah, 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 I know, I know. And another year would go by. Unfortunately for him, he was missing out on what God had for him. Selfishly for me, I was glad my brother was staying. But there came the time, and in the disciples' lives, there came the time that Jesus, what he said was fulfilled, and he was betrayed and ultimately uh, crucified. Now we see that going into this, uh, again, these are all stories you've heard, but Jesus goes to pray in Gethsemane. He takes some of the disciples with him. He says, pray for me while I go off and I'm going to pray. And famously, in verse 36, he says to the Lord, please take this cup of suffering from me, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. So we see that Jesus, I want to tell you something. I was going to say this later, but I want to tell you now. Jesus didn't have some supernatural tolerance for pain. He suffered just as you and I would. He got no preferential treatment, as you're going to see in a moment. He was beaten, he was bruised, and he felt it just like you and I would. I often say, I, I mean, I, I say this in jest, but man, if, if in the movies when they talk about, they, they've got somebody and he's a, he's a, He's taken captive, and, and they're going to do stuff to him unless he tells them. I'd be blabbing everything at that point, because I don't like pain. I don't want any, they bring the roll of tools out, and they unravel it, and be like, nope, what do you want to know? I'll tell you right now. I don't want to go through that pain. We see Jesus explain this. He asked God to take this cup of, if you can take it, if there's any other way, but nevertheless, I want your will be, to be done, not my own. He is arrested. His disciples, as predicted, scatter. And as you know, as Jesus predicted to Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter says, never, never would I. 
but we see that it all comes to fruition. You know that the, that the Pharisees and the, the high priests, they were looking for anything, anything they could find on Jesus to justify not only arresting him, but putting him to death. They, he, they, he was a threat to them, and they wanted to put an end to it. Mark's uh, Gospel 14, 61 through 65, it says this, Then the high priest asked him, Jesus, Are you the Messiah, the Son of God, or the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Why do we need another witness? Why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard this blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they cried. He deserves to die. Then some of them began to spit at him, and they blindfolded him, and he beat him with their fists. Prophesy to us, they jeered, and the guards slapped him, and they took him away. Knowing that Jesus, the only thing he was guilty of was speaking the truth, was speaking the truth, but there, there was a threat to them, and that leads us, I know, I know this is not a leading into Christmas story message, but I will get there, I promise you. Uh, so in Mark 15, this is, this is where, in my devotional reading, actually just prior to us starting the Bible study, I was at Mark and I, I began to read through Mark, and this is where these verses just came out to me. Mark 15, 1 through 5 says this, Very early in the morning, the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law, the entire high council, met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, you have said it. Then the leading priest kept accusing him of many crimes. And Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they are bringing against you? And here's my title. But Jesus said nothing. Much to Pilate's surprise. We see false allegations and trumped up charges and false witnesses coming forward to speak against him. And here we not only don't see Jesus defending himself, literally committed no crime, he remains silent. He says nothing. And somehow to me, in that saying nothing, he is saying so many things. In modern day, you know this, Jesus' people would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, he didn't mean anything. When he, when he said that he would be seated at the place of power at God's right hand and the, the, coming on the clouds of heaven, we need to get ahead of this, Jesus. You need to put out a tweet, X as we know it now. You need to put it out, get ahead of this, and let's hope we can squash this comment. He doesn't deny the allegations. He, he doesn't say, I've been misunderstood let me, let me clarify my words. No, he stays silent. And do you know what it, what it says to me today? This is kind of what I took away from it. Is that today, we rarely, rarely take responsibility for our actions. And nobody wants to be held accountable. What does every defendant, now I know they're counseled this way, what does every defendant say when the judge says, how do you plead? Not guilty. 
What drives me nuts is when they refer to the alleged victim when they've got videos of the alleged victim doing the crime. Now, I understand that there is due process and, and I understand that they need time for a defense. Wouldn't it be refreshing if somebody who has committed a crime, when asked by the judge, they said, Judge, I'm guilty. I did it. I accept my punishment. It would save a lot of taxpayer money. It would save a lot of time and hurt for maybe the family that was, was hurt. I, I don't know that uh, a long process and a guilty verdict ever really brings closure to a family. The hurt is still there. Um, but if they just said, you know what, I, I did it. But no, you know what, from a young age, the, the smallest child, Jake, Carrie, little JD, he's going he's gonna to learn to lie real easily. He's going to learn how to do it. It's, it's it, within us. As children, we learn it. At something my kids will tell you, I, always, I tell them all the time, the one thing I don't want you to do is lie to me. And have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to make sense of something, they're leaving out a key part of it, and it's like, why didn't you tell me that? I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to think of it. And here it was, well, I didn't lie, I just didn't tell you the whole truth. Well, no, that's, to me, that's a lie. Um, but so many times, and I get it, I mean, we, we want to be, uh, if we are, what is it, if you can't do the time, don't commit the crime, however that's said, if you, you know, whatever it is, there's truth to that. But we're not willing to accept the punishment, are we? Are we? No. Okay, thank you, Dave. <laughs> In this situation, Jesus, knowing full well he did nothing wrong, he was not guilty, he accepts the punishment that is given to him. Innocent and falsely accused, and we read in Isaiah 53, which I'm going to read that in a little bit, and Acts 8, it says he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And we read earlier, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was stripped, he was denigrated, he offered no resistance, no argument. Jesus said nothing. And much to Pilate's surprise, he didn't understand it. Speak, speak up for yourself. I'm sure his followers were saying the same thing. Jesus, tell them. Tell them what you've been telling us. But no, Jesus remained quiet because he knew that he was about his father's business. Do you remember when, uh, we, we've been talking about this in Bible study because it's found in Mark where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And at some point, he realizes the people want to make him a king. And that is not why Jesus came. He will return as the king that they were waiting for. But at this time, he came to die for you and for me. Hallelujah. So Jesus himself said these few scriptures that I'm going to read. Uh, actually, two of them and then two other ones I want to read. This is what Jesus said in John 10, 17 through 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. And this command I have received from my father. 
And in John 15, 13, it says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is why Jesus came. We will celebrate his birth in just over a month, just under a month. And yes, what a, what a wonderful thing that God had done to come into our existence in the man of Jesus, to go through what we go through, to suffer as we suffer, to show us we can do it too. We can get through if we will rely on the Father. But folks, Jesus came to die for you and for me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Can you say amen? amen. We read in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know that in Roman times, a beheading was considered merciful. It was quick, it was to the point, it was done. Crucifixion was reserved for the lower class. And it usually, whether it was execution by crucifixion or other means, it was meant to be exactly what it was. You were there on display for all to see. You were ridiculed. They, they yelled at him. You know, even, even, you know this, even the two thieves on the cross, even one of them said, we deserve to be here, but not him. Even they could see it, but Jesus remained silent. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, and this is for us today, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the example Jesus has left for us. That when we face unfounded claims or falsehoods said about us, just as Jesus did, we entrust ourselves to God, who is the righteous judge. I know it's difficult. I know that uh, many times we go through things and it's hard to stay silent. We live in a society today that feels the overwhelming need to defend ourselves. Social media has allowed those opportunities and, and we can get out ahead of stuff or we can go on and, and state, state our case, try to prove our innocence, whatever the case may be. But we sometimes feel the need to not only prove our point, but at the same time, disparage somebody else or throw somebody else under the bus, rather than take what is rightfully belongs to us, and we deflect it. And 
you know, social media allowed this. I've always said this any day. Lynn and I just had a conversation. We took our car to the dealership. The dealership, okay? And they're not calling us back. And we're waiting and prices being negotiated and all of these things. And we finally got uh, an email. Hey, you just, you know, follow up. How was your service? And I was like, here we go. I'll tell you how my service was. And I am, I am, I am so good on email. I am bold on email, I tell you. And I can, I can phrase, I'm a good wordsmith in that environment, but get me on the phone and I would fold up like nothing. I said, Lynn, that's your thing. You get on the phone and call them. I don't know what to tell them. Well, just tell them that, you know, just, just say you don't really understand. I am terrible on the phone. So there's something to be said for social media. I mean, oftentimes they say it's some guy in his parents' basement, you know, answering these things back or whatever. There's a, there's a, lot, a level of anonymity found on social media that emboldens us. And for some reason, we, we put it out there. You've seen this, have you not? You've seen, somebody says, why are they putting this out? You know, they're arguing between each other for everybody to see. And you try to teach them that that's not the way to do it. But no, that's our culture. And the attitude is, if somebody does it to me, I'm going to turn it up a notch and give it right back. Am I telling the truth today? Have you seen this? Maybe you've done this. I hope not. I want to ask you today, have you had uh, accusations hurled your way? And I want to tell you this, it even hurts when it's true. You know it's true, but it still hurts. But have you ever had somebody spread a false narrative about you? And how do you defend that? I, you know, I've, I've been through that situation and I just thought, well, hopefully people know me well enough to know what's being said is not true. But that's not always the case and I don't get the opportunity to defend myself. I'm not even get on social media and let that play out. I won't do that. Or maybe... You've grown up with a horrible nickname that was given to you as a kid that you wish that people would let that go already, you know. I grew up in a, in a church that my father pastored, and uh, I, years later, I dated a girl I grew up with, which she reminded me I was a bully to her when we were kids. I don't remember that. Maybe I was. I don't doubt it. I'm just not, I don't remember that. Well, I start dating her and I go to a church picnic where all these people knew 13-year-old Brandon. Now I'm 21 and everybody's like, you were a terrible kid. I was like, I, every person. I'm like, what, what are you going to do to let this go? You know, I'm, I've grown, hopefully. Hopefully you can see that. I remember you were on the roof. I was like, now that was not me. I was not on the church roof. Maybe my older brother was, but not me. You have a hard time living these things down. You, you, you got a nickname for, maybe it's the way you used to be and you're no longer that way, but you'll always be that person. How many know how do we refer to my son? Do you know what we call him? Little B, right? Little B, come here. Come here. Come on. Come here. He loves this stuff. He loves this stuff. Come on. Come on. Here's little B. <laughs> Somebody told me I'm little B now. All right, you, can, <laughs> you want to say anything? No? Okay. At some point, you got to stop calling him little B, but it's just everybody calls him that, everybody knows him by that. I don't think he's offended by that, 
But man, something in your life that you wish would go away, but yet that's how you refer to, those things hurt. Um, my, uh, a church I used to be at, uh, my sister also worked at, and my father was pastoring then. And she had a desk set up right outside his office. And only for this reason did she overhear a conversation was a, a gentleman stopped by just to talk, what we thought, and so why close the door? He went into my dad's office, and my sister listened. It was right there. As this man belittled my father and basically told him, I'm going to do everything I can to ruin your ministry here. I'm going to take people from here, and it, it's going to devastate the church. And he walked out, and my sister said, Dad, why would you let him talk to you that way? There was no respect. There was no honor as being the pastor. There was nothing there. And my father, in his wisdom, said, at that point, he wouldn't have heard a word I said. You got to just let him, let him do it. Have you ever been a punching bag? It's not fun. It's not fun. I was in a, a, a similar circumstance where a, a gentleman, I, I didn't realize we had this thing between us, but I, I apparently was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And that particular Sunday, we, we had words. It was, it was nothing, to me, it was nothing meaningful. But he proceeded to come back in and just unload. I was like, I, I was not the silent type. I did not take that well. So please don't ever back me in a corner. I'm going to say something I regret. I'm going to do something I regret. But this man came back in and just on and on and on. And, and again, I'm, at this time, I'm in my early 20s. I'm working with my father. And it's like, and I'm going to tell your father when he gets here. I was like, look, even in my young age, I said, look, you can tell my dad anything you want, but a Sunday morning before he speaks, tell him after church. But no, as soon as my dad came in, he went right to him. My dad pulled him aside. Obviously, there was other things going on, and I was just, you know, the last one to stick it to him that lit, lit his fuse. So I don't know if it was his idea, my father's idea to go and to have breakfast with him the next morning, clear the air. And I had to sit there and this guy began to say, your son this, your son this. And I went to say, and my father put his hand up, that annoying wisdom a father has. <laughs> he put his hand up and he said, let him finish. And inside I'm saying, let him finish. He's lying. What he's saying is not true. Let him finish. And I have never been in that situation before. I don't even remember the, I don't think it ever got resolved truly. Um, I saw the man years later in a grocery store, and he obviously was, was ailing with something. Come to find out he had brain cancer at that time and died a short time later. But the funny thing was, is I worked at a, a bookstore and a new owner had come in and that owner was a friend of this guy. And he's going to bring him in this bookstore as a manager. The writing was on the wall for me. I already knew it. I was like, I, there's no way I'm keeping this job. So they came up and they tried to act like, hey, you know, could you be doing something else with your time? I was like, you, I know what's going on. He doesn't want me here, so I'm out. I was just trying to help the bookstore out. I don't need the job. I don't want the job, whatever. I, I, I found myself, you know, and just like me sharing it today, 
When I share these stories, it conjures up all that feeling again that I went through. So maybe I should stop while I'm ahead. I, was sit, I sat there while I was slandered, I was accused, and it's very difficult. Please tell me I'm not the only one to hold your tongue. Is it difficult? Joy, come on, stick that hand up. You know it. <laughs> You're be sitting there with your arm in your chair. Come on. We have to learn to entrust ourselves to God. This side of heaven is going to be situations just like mine, just like I've expressed, just like the ones you've all been through. Somebody is saying something that is not true about you. Hopefully it's not true. I always told my kids, whatever they're saying, make sure it's not true, and then you can hold your head high. But how difficult it is, I even think about children in general in school. I mean, kids are brutal. Amen? Kids are brutal. And uh, they just pour it on in the worst ways, uh, just like I must apparently did at my church when I was a kid. I must have, I'll tell you this, I got a call that was meant for my father. It was my children's pastor when I was a kid. And I felt the need to apologize. And he said, uh, hey, you were pretty bad. But never said I forgive you. Never said I accept your apology. So I, I wonder, was I truly forgiven? But man, I know that I piled it on this guy. I, I look so innocent, don't I? You can't picture anything I'm saying today. You don't see this in me, I know. But it was my, I thought my dad owned the church and I could do whatever I wanted. <laughs> Psalm 18.2 says this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Today as we're thinking about these things and, and hopefully applying them to our lives, because I know you know, holidays, you're going to get together with family that maybe you don't, I know they talk about politics. I'm talking beyond even politics. Just years of something that's there and you don't know how it got that way. We're supposed to be the bigger person because we're the Christian. Well, why do I have to be the bigger person? Because, you, you know, we go through all of these things. We need to rely on the Lord and him, him being our fortress and our rock. Look to him and give it to him. God, I'm struggling with this, and I need your help. I need you to intervene. Today, I, again, we're coming up on Christmas, but I want to read to you the entire chapter of Isaiah 53. We hear these verses all of the time, normally during Easter. But I don't want us to miss that, yes, Jesus came in the form of a baby in a manger, but he came to die for us to forgive us. So let me read this to you. It says, who, have you believed, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And when we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. 
He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. We read this in 1 Peter. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have left, the God, left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have made many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. And when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted as righteous. For he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. So again, Jesus had the same pain that you and I would. We probably have all different tolerances of pain. Something that would hurt you doesn't necessarily hurt me. I want to tell you what Jesus went through was a form of torture. Yet he did it willingly. He did it with this mindset in closing today. Philippians 2, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So you understand that what that's saying is he was equal to God. He was God in, in Jesus' form, equal to the Father, but he didn't consider it to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So not only did Jesus say nothing, it says here he made himself nothing. Humble, obedient, a servant. He made himself nothing. Therefore, this is the wonderful part of this continuation of these verses. Verse 9, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So having just come through Thanksgiving, and I know what that day becomes. Lynn and I were laughing at our post from 2010. She, she posted something, I posted something that's like, what were we thinking back in 2010? Like, why would we write that? Aren't you thankful that they show you your memories and remind you all the stupid things you said? We just came through Thanksgiving. I know we're thankful for our families. We say this, we do this. And we approach Christmas and the birth of the Savior, such a special time of year. We're going to have the, the kids play, uh, the variety show, the, the, the annual dinner. I just want to ask us today, 
Can we come and just say, thank you, Jesus? Lord, thank you for your life. Thank you for what you've done for me and in my life and in my family. Lord, thank you that my kids are serving you today. Lord, thank you that you've made a way for provision for me and my family. God, thank you for opening up doors that I couldn't see. Lord, for closing doors and saving me from myself. Lord, and knowing it was not of your will and your plan today. Can we stand together today? Can we just close ourselves in? But I don't want you to close yourself in. I want you to be loud before God today. Can you thank him today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, oh God. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Thank you, oh God, for the blessings in our life. Thank you for the, the goodness, Lord God, that you've poured out into our lives. God, as we come through Thanksgiving and it just becomes a day and, and it just moves past, Lord, may we never forget. May we, may we never take for granted, Lord, all of the good things that you've done in our lives, God. Lord, that you've suffered, Lord God, because of us. Lord, before you even knew who I was, Lord, but yet you knew me. Lord, before I was born, before any of us were born, Lord God, you thought of us. Lord, and you, you put yourself in that position for our benefit. And God, I don't know the words I could say to say thank you enough. I don't know what we could say. But Lord, we just want to say something. We want to project from our hearts, oh God, from our, from our mouths and from our lips, oh God, that we are a grateful people for all that you've done. For all that you've done, oh God. Lord, you, you, you've opened our hearts, Lord God. You've come in and you've accepted us, Lord, as we were. But Lord, you're not finished with us. We're, you're continually working on us. And I pray that we remain pliable in your hands, God. Lord, that you're able to shape and mold us and that we don't become hard-hearted, but God, softened by your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, we give you praise today. Father, our words aren't adequate. I don't know what we could do that would, would serve the purpose, Lord, but you're not asking for great things. You're asking for our hearts, God. As you're standing today and your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you have not considered Jesus and given him the opportunity in your life, would you slip up your hand today? I want to just pray with you. If you will also slip up your hand, if what I've spoken to you today, you're going through something similar, whether it's you, you're being talked about, you're being mistreated, whatever the case is, I want to pray for you today. We've seen that Jesus can do it. We know that we can depend on God the Father. I want to pray for you today. Would you slip up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Father, you've seen these hands. Lord, more importantly, you know our hearts. God, you know what we're dealing with. You know what we're going through. And Father, I'm asking you to intervene on our behalf today. For all those that are suffering, God, would you come and just meet us? Holy Spirit, would, you, would we allow you the opportunity to just come in, Lord, and just, just change our life, change the situation that we've tried so hard to do on our own, but we can't. We've seen that all our attempts are futile. Lord God, we want to give it to you today. Help us to do that today, we ask.
Lord, I pray that as we come through December, Lord God, again, this may be a, a heavy thought or a heavy message, Lord, but we are celebrating. We are celebrating that you, God, came to earth. God with us in, in Emmanuel. And God, I don't want it to get lost over the next several weeks as we are preparing and we're making plans and all of those things that we do not lose sight of what you have done for us, God. We praise you, Lord. I pray that you would go with us today, Lord, giving us a new hope and a, and a passion, Lord God, to seek it out, what you have for us, God. Thank you that you make yourselves available to us each and every day. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your words in scripture, for they bring light, they bring life. God, and I pray that we would continually go back. That we wouldn't re just rush through it, but we would consider every word that you had recorded in scripture for our purpose, for our benefit. Help us, Lord God. Thank you for this series, Lord. I pray that we've all learned something through it, whether preparing or just listening, God. I, I pray that it's, it's caused us to go deeper and to seek you more, God. Father, today, go with us as we head back to work or school or whatever the case is this coming week. Lord God, go with us. Prepare the way before us, God. And we just count it a blessing to stand in your midst today. Go with us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today.